Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me a fellow Texan, which puts a big smile on my face, because that means I can say y'all and stuff like that, and he won't cringe. I have with me Mills Rogers. Mills, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So Mills, you did a little pre-work before the show, and you shared with me that you've not always been this confident speaker I want to start there. You told me, yeah, yes, no, maybe it's kind of complicated. Help us understand your path to being a speaker and help us understand this, it's complicated label with your confidence as a speaker. Okay. Well, I say it's complicated because I never envisioned myself being a speaker until recently, honestly. And so you know, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert and I am too. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. I, 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 I hate to interrupt you, but I guess I don't hate to interrupt you since I did interrupt you. But when you tell people that you're an introvert, but then you're also a speaker, what's the reaction you get? They're kind of like, huh? Like, right. how is that? You know, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's usually their reaction. Like, how does that work? so yeah um and then of course I have to elaborate on it and uh you know a lot of times people think introverts just it it just means that you're just totally withdrawn and of course it has more to do with how your your energy you know how you you know take in energy give out energy and so you know just because you're introverted doesn't mean you're not personable right (laughs) right it doesn't mean you're you're dead yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you don't have a heartbeat. It just means you recharge by yourself so that when you are on that stage, you can look like a quote unquote extrovert and give them 100%. Okay, I'll shut up. So back to the it's complicated explanation. What you got for us? So, yeah, um, you know, I was fortunate growing up, even being an introvert, you know, I had several opportunities to be in front of people, you know, growing up in the church and everything, you know, sometimes they'll be like, hey, lead a song, you know, in the choir or something like that. And of course, you're really scared as a kid doing that. But, you know, they're like, you got to do it. And uh, even though I wasn't a great singer or anything. Um, also, I had opportunities, um, like even in Sunday school to help out with certain things, like being the, the Sunday school secretary. So I had to read the minutes. Me too. Insane. (laughs) Yeah, I was in the choir, very small Methodist church, and it was directly across the street from where I lived. So there was no not going to church for me on Sundays. Mm -hmm. I was in the choir, could not hold a tune, and I I eked by. You you have a I think a more powerful enough voice to where they felt comfortable asking you to lead a song. But not at the time though. I was my my voice wasn't like this. (laughs) at the time so you know that's before I had puberty <laughs> so um, oh my a, a little higher but um but yeah you know so that kind of helped with some of that um and you know that that kind of 
you know, having to be out in front of people, you know, yeah, they kind of gave me a little bit more confidence, but at the same time, it, it was intimidating. And of course, just my journey, you know, I went to college, I went in the military, which, you know, in the military, everybody is put or has the opportunity to lead, even if it's for a few minutes or whatever. So, you know, you have to get out in front of people and talk. And so, you know, all of those things kind of contributed toward leading me to eventually getting into the speaking room. You know, I was also a teacher. And so, and it's weird because I feel like, um, you know, a lot of teachers could do it, do speaking, but then they're like, oh, I'm fearful of getting in front of people. And for me, I'm like, but you're getting in front of people every day, you know, <laughs> all throughout the day. And, uh, but they're like, they're kids. And so, yeah, I guess there is a difference, but as we all can probably assume, it's much tougher to engage kids uh, 180 days a year, you know, as opposed to being a speaker. And so that right there has, is basically my journey toward getting confidence in speaking. It was just finding in different aspects of your life, you were taking on some kind of a leadership role with your voice, whether it was in the military, whether it was in the choir, whether it was as church school secretary, which I was church school secretary too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I couldn't wait to get up there and read the minutes. (laughs) But whether it was in the military, and you're right, in the military, every single person, regardless of your rank, and even if it's just for a few moments in time, you do find yourself in a leadership position. I was in Army ROTC in college. And although that was not a big priority on my list to go into the military, I was just doing it. This is going to sound crazy, Mills. You're going to shake your head at me. I did ROTC because there was a PE requirement in college. And I didn't want to wear those those uh, those outfits. We had to wear these certain outfits. Wow. These phys ed out. Yeah, these shorts, these purple shorts. And I went to Prairie View a so I love the purple and gold. Mm-hmm. Purple shorts and then these white and purple t-shirts. I just didn't want to wear that. So what I loved about Army ROTC, every Tuesday and Thursday, my outfit was figured out for me. I had no problem with the battle dress uniforms with the BDUs. So I love that. Every Tuesday, Thursday, I knew what I was going to wear. It made life easy for me. But <laughs> but you're right. You uh, had oh, and I should clarify, ROTC was an alternative to the PE requirements. So you could do that or you could do PE. So I said, mm-hmm. I'll do ROTC. But yes, everybody in some aspect of their lives is taking on some kind of a leadership role where they're having to stand up, they're having to speak up. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you typically speak up on? What are the topics that you usually cover in your presentations? Uh, I typically, the majority of my presentations have to do with personal development and leadership more recently. Uh, Also character development. Um, I also do professional development for schools. And a lot of times that includes special education because I I was a special education teacher and my oldest daughter has severe autism. And so those are some of the things that I speak on. Um, I've also been working on coming up with a customer service theory that I would like to do for corporations. And so, so yeah, those are, it's a wide range of topics, but, you know, one thing I would uh, encourage people that want to be speakers, and I know a lot of times it goes against, it seems like it goes against common wisdom, but 
um, I would tell them, you know, focus on a niche, you know, find you a niche and then, you know, try to get traction in that particular field and then start to venture out more into other avenues. So was that what you did? Did you find a niche and then you said, okay, I can talk about personal development. I can talk about leadership, but first, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I use special education, you know, because like I said, I was a special ed teacher. So let's go back to 2017, 2016. I'm thinking I, and it's an interesting journey how I got into speaking. And I, I, let me go ahead and fill you in on that, if that's okay. <laughs> because so, you knew I was going to ask. I am not yeah, going so, to. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to fill you in on that. So uh, I was a teacher and, you know, as a teacher, you have all these people come in, you know, beginning of the school year or whatever, they always focus on professional development. So the principal I was, uh, you know, working for at the time, she was talking about this one guy that's a speaker and she's like, we gotta have him come on campus. And he's great. He's phenomenal. You know, and he, he, he is nationally known. And so they were able to get him, they were able to book him and he came and, um, for me, it was so anticlimactic. And even the teacher next to me, she was like, Mr. Rogers, they paid that man all that money to come up here and say that. They could have got one of us. And uh, I, I agreed with her. I'm like, oh yeah, we, we all got stories and experiences way more in depth than what he has. And uh, so, you know, I, I still wasn't interested in speaking at the time, honestly. But a seed was planted, you know, it was, it, was, it was planted really deep, but it was planted nonetheless, because my focus at the time was getting promoted as a uh, administrator in the education field. And so, yeah, I was focused on being a principal. And so, you know, I got my certification for that. And, you know, I went to interviews and it was always, you know, something like, oh, you're not the right fit or, you know, we're going in a different direction. And, uh, you know, I did that for a few years and, you know, and then there were some things that was just like, man, maybe the writing's on the wall that maybe that's just not the direction I need to head in. And so then I started thinking back, you know, I started looking at other things I could do and, um, and of course, speaking popped in because it's like, hey, you know what? I enjoy doing it. I've always gotten positive feedback when I've had to maybe, you know, do a class at school for my fellow teachers or something like that. And uh, some and speaking, you know, in reality, it's a very low bar as far as the amount of money you got to put up front and everything. And, you know, you're the product. <laughs> so you know, yeah, you need to have some things in place, but you're ultimately the product. So the, the barrier to entries are, are pretty low, you know, it's pretty low. And so I thought to myself, well, hey, you know, I'm an educator. Um, I'm also a special needs parent. Um, that's a unique perspective that I could use that not too many other people could use. And so that I, I initially entered into speaking, talking about special education you know, uh, helping people understand special education students and the laws and all that, that sort of thing. Wow. What, what I took away from that was it's so important in trying to figure out your niche, figuring out your personal niche, like how do you fit in the world? What makes 
your perspective different from your neighbors. You looked at the fact that one, you're a teacher, two, you are the parent of a child that is on the autism spectrum. And that was your niche. So everybody, when you're trying to figure out what can be the topic that you speak on, maybe you have a unique unique perspective when it comes to bookkeeping. Maybe you have mm-hmm. a very special, I don't know what it is, connection to reading, right? Whatever it is, but think about what makes you different from others around you or others in your industry. And do do you feel passionate about it? Do you feel like you want to educate others about it? Do Mm -hmm. you want to educate them? Do you want to inspire them? Or do you, do you want to just really put, put, put more information out to the world about it, right? Do you want to inform? Do you want to inspire? Do you want to educate i don't know think about what is it that is is special about you and what you do and your perspective and then that helps you find your niche now i heard you say that when you would do presentations you got really good feedback and so you said okay well let me just capitalize on this i you know i seem to do well with it people like it let me just push forward with it what do you think you would do in your presentations? I don't know if it was the preparation, if it was certain things you do when you speak that stands out. What what do you think it is that people really like about your presentations that makes them give you great feedback? I think from even back then, doing it as part of an assignment at school to even now, uh, authenticity, just keeping it real, uh, not painting a, a, a picture with rose-colored glasses. Um, I think people really appreciate that because a lot of times, you know, especially in the education field, you get people that have never even worked in education that are talking to educators, trying to motivate them, you know. And so me, I have a certain amount of credibility in that field because I actually did it. I, I, I was in the, I've been in the trenches for 15 years. I taught special education. I taught general education. I got an administrative certification. I taught at Title I schools. And so they know what I'm saying is, is, is real and it's authentic. You know, I'm not going to paint a certain picture. I'm not, look, I'm going to acknowledge, you know, when I've done professional development, look, there are difficult kids. Okay. <laughs> They're kids that will get on your nerves. You know, those bad kids show up every day, you know? <laughs> and so I think, you know, people can appreciate that. And even when I've, I moved more toward personal development, as I got more established as a speaker, you know, because here's the thing, um, you know, I, I know people listening to this podcast is because they want to get into speaking. People need to see you on stages, all right. You know, if you want to get paid as a speaker, then they got to they got to have a reason to pay you, you know, and it's not just solely because you have, a, you know, experience or whatever. They want to see you on stages. And so I would encourage any speaker or want to be speaker is, you know, do what you need to do to get on stages first so that, you know, you start to build up that quote unquote speaker resume. And then people can say, oh, you spoke here and there, you know, you got good feedback. And then they feel more comfortable because when somebody hires a speaker, they're, they're putting their reputation on the line, you know, and they don't want to be the one that, you know, after you spoke, like, oh, 
God, I don't like that speaker. You know, boy, what's wrong with you? Why you hired him? <laughs> you know, You're and, right. uh, so yeah, you know, you you you, you know, it's, so it, it, it's their reputation's on the line whenever they hire you, and so you could be the greatest speaker in the world. You know, you might have the best message, and so you got to do whatever you can to get on stages. And I saw that speaking on special education uh, again made me. And here's something I'm sure you've mentioned in your in your interviews. It made me an expert. Okay, I can present. Talk to, talk to yeah talk to us more about being an expert because sometimes people have this imposter syndrome going on and they mm-hmm. don't want to have that title of expert attached to them because they feel like they have not earned it so at what point did you feel like you earned the title of expert or i don't know had positioned yourself to be regarded by others as an expert well you're an expert on your own journey you know and yes. so that's the main thing. Like I knew I was an expert. I could speak on my experiences as a parent to a daughter with severe autism. I could speak on my experiences in the education system. Here's, here's an analogy I like to use in my talks about personal development. And it kind of relates to the imposter syndrome. Now, now I speak more to colleges. I'm speaking more to college students on personal development and leadership. But here's the thing. I always, and I always like to pull out somebody from the audience. I say, hey, Name four fast food hamburger restaurants for me. Or it could be pizza restaurants, okay? And they'll usually be like, okay, McDonald's, Burger King. Now, why or why do I get sometimes people naming places that aren't burger restaurants? I'm like, anyway, it's kind of, I'm like, how do y'all, like, this restaurant's all over. How do y'all name a chicken restaurant? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's usually like, okay, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, and you know, in and out. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, okay, so what do they all have in common? I said, I'm like, these are not trick questions. What do they all have in common? All right. And so the answer I'm usually looking for is, hey, they all serve burgers, they all serve fries, they're all restaurants, they all fast food. Yeah, they have things in common. All right. What, how are they different? Well, you know, they got different logos, they got different, um, you know, recipes and stuff like that. Exactly. But guess what? They, 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 yeah, they sell the same thing, but they bring their own unique perspective or their own unique way of selling burgers, I should say. And I say, let's translate that to you, you know, because a lot of times people will be like, well, there's too many speakers out there. You know, there's too many such and such out there. But here's the thing. You are you. You know, you're unique. Just like those burger places, they all sell burgers, but they put their own little spin on it. And they're all profitable because they're in business. Well, it's the same thing with you. You know, I mean, people are going to, you know, they, they, they're going, yeah, as a speaker, they're going to appreciate who you are, your unique experiences. If they're going to pay you whatever they're going to pay you, they're paying you to talk about what you have experienced, your views, you know, what, how you can educate them. And, and so I think that's just really, really important because a lot of times people want to copycat, like, oh, I see Eric Thomas, I see Gary Vee, you know, um, I, I see so-and-so, you know, uh, what's Brene Brown, or I think that's her name, right? <laughs> I hope I'm not getting it mixed up. You know, Lisa Nichols, I want to be like them. And yeah, you can aspire to, but you got to do you, you know, you got to be who you are. And I know as a speaker, it's very easy, though, to look at people and be like, okay, they're experiencing success. I want to be 
exactly like them, but you know, that's them. You know, you got to kind of find your own lane. And that's so much more uncomfortable trying to be someone else or I don't know, just trying to, I think your books say it perfectly, trying to pursue a success that somebody else has created, not realizing that there is a process to it. And what worked for Les Brown or what worked for Lisa Nichols or pull anybody name out of the speaker world, what worked for them and the path they took may not necessarily be the one you should take or the one that's going to yield the, the best and most rewards for you and your audiences. And I say your books say it best. One of your books is entitled Success is a Process, Not an Event. And then a second ago, you were saying, do you? And so the other book you have, You Can Win Being You. I'm telling you, they're spot on in terms of amplifying what you're, you're telling the, the listeners right now. Mills, you have uh, just a wonderful background as you've shared with everybody so far. You've risen from being an educator of at-risk students to being one of the top college motivational leadership and personal development speakers for colleges and universities. You've authored four editions of one of your books, entitled Success is a Process, Not an Event. And you have a new book entitled You Can Win Being You. Everybody, Mills, and I'm sure you get a sense of this, Mills hopes to help audiences realize that their goals, their dreams, and passions are all within reach. And like the title of his latest book, he believes that you're more than capable and that you can win being you. Mills, what is one of the biggest questions or the most frequently asked questions you get in your presentations? In my presentations, a lot of times, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll ask, how did you become a speaker? Uh, <laughs> that, that's probably the most common one. Uh, also, um, just with confidence and overcoming obstacles. And, you know, I, I did want to say in regards to um, confidence, the, the fact that, you know, you, you be, telling your own story, you know, you can tell that with confidence. And confidence is very, very important as a speaker. And so, yeah, when you're trying to be like someone you know, emulate somebody else, it's hard to really move with confidence. Whereas when you're telling your story, you're telling your experiences, you know, you can really puff out your chest and, you know, say it because it's your story, you know, and, and that's what really, you know, attracts people, you know, to you as a speaker. Your story is going to be that hook that people will walk away hours, days, mm -hmm. weeks, maybe even years later, and that will still be with them, your story. And I know a lot of us, Bridget included, a lot of us have some hesitation with sharing our stories. What is your suggestion for getting past that hurdle and who knows why the hurdle is there or what the hurdle is what what would you recommend mills for 
listeners getting past this nervousness or fear of sharing their personal stories and just being their authentic selves? Hmm. You know, it's a lot of times we're fearful of of sharing our story because we're wondering what people may think, um, how they're going to um, judge us and everything. And so, you know, I think for me, it was wanting to make an impact. And so I watched a speaker, um, you know, he invited me to come out when he was in town. And, uh, you know, I watched him, I'm like, wow, you know, he went really deep with his story. And I saw the impact, that was like the most impact I ever saw a speaker have on an audience. And it made me realize, wow, I, I, I should go deeper with my story, maybe not in the same tone or manner that he did, because I feel like his was, his story was very dark. And like I said, you got to do yourself, you know, you got to figure out what your style is. And I figured out what, you know, I knew my style. And I was like, you know what, I could take elements of what he did and apply it to my style of presentation. And I did it because, again, I want to have as much of an impact as possible. And I saw how impactful his talk was. And I'm like, yeah, you know. People need that. They need, because people out there, they, they have skeletons in their closet and they need to understand that they're not alone in this journey. You know, they, they got, they don't need, I don't want them to feel like they're weird because they have this going on at home or they, they, they have this going on in their mind. And so for me, that's another, seeing, seeing that one speaker and then understanding that you know what, I want to have an impact in that going, sharing more brings more of an impact. That for me was the motivation. And, you know, I would hope that that could be a motivation for anyone listening as far as, you know, they're, you know, of getting over their hesitation of sharing. It sounds like we have two options. We can get up there and give information or we can get up there and bring about transformation. We can yes. get up there. Perfectly said. <laughs> yes. Get up there and give data points or get up there and give powerful points. So the choice, the choice is yours. And it's it and it's about taking the spotlight off of you, the speaker. It's not so much about you, but it's about the change that you can bring about in your audience. And if your story can help one person out there, your story versus some research, your story versus some. I don't know, just what I don't, just empty information or black and white information that anybody can read in a book, which one of those is going to really give the aha moments for the audience? Ask yourself, which one do you want to do? You, you, you have a choice. So, okay. Makes sense. In a little bit, you'll have a chance to ask me a question, Mills. I, I I feel pretty calm. I think you're going to go easy on me. I have other guests that (laughs) I'm not so sure. I'm not so, so sure what's going to happen. Okay. I want you to think about your absolute favorite presentation to make. If I told you right now, Mills, I'm giving you the microphone. And for the next 60 minutes, you can deliver any presentation you want. What would it be and why? 
Hmm. Um, I, I like my presentation on you can win being you uh, because, you know, I, I feel like there is, there's something for everyone in there. Uh, I usually tell about four stories, four short stories, personal stories. And, um, you know, I, I break it down. Like I have like a motto. Uh, I can be great. I have what it takes. If I do my best, I'll be a success. And so there's four lines to that. And so I break it down line by line. So uh, I can be great, of course, deals with self-empowerment. And uh, so we talk more about that and I tell a story and I have an acronym that relates to that. I'm really big on acronyms, by the way, because I feel like they're great takeaways um, from any presentation. And, you know, you want people to walk away with something and, you know, besides just feeling good. And so, yeah, it's always, uh, you know, acronyms are very tangible. And so, yeah, just break that down line by line. You know, I have what it takes. And uh, that's where I actually bring in, you know, I ask the question about the restaurants a lot of times. And, uh, you know, I have an acronym for that. And then if I do my best dealing with effort and the work you got to put in, and then I'll be a success. And we talk about just kind of wrap it up right there. Everything that goes into being successful, that goes into winning. And so that's my, my favorite presentation. Again, you know, I get the audience involved in certain things and we even do a whole group activity and so it's very um it's fun for me and I, I believe it's engaging for the audience and so that's probably my my favorite presentation so it sounds like your audiences aren't just sitting and listening i'm hearing you yes i'm hearing <laughs> you talk about everybody you should have seen how he shook his head no so it was so big but you think about the delivery of the content as opposed to just throwing a bunch of information out there, out there, but you try to make it easy for them by creating the acronyms, by creating the chunks of information in a way that they can easily remember it. And I want to talk a little bit about that for just a second, and then I'll come back to all the other interesting things you do in your presentations. But when you are a presenter, you're a facilitator. And the root word of facilitator is that is F-A-C-I-L, which means to make easy. And so as a presenter, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make it easy, make it easy for the audience to follow you, make it easy for them to understand and make it easy for them to remember the big points long after you finish. So it sounds like you make it easy for the audience by creating ways to package your information so that it's easy for them to take it home with them. And then also, it sounds like you make it meaningful for them and you make it you make it enjoyable where they're, they're, they're not just hanging out for 60 minutes, but uh, I like that where it sounds like you put a lot of thought into what's going to happen during the course of that presentation. Okay. Now, oh, and, and let me, let me add another thought onto that. Everybody, I want you to choreograph your presentations. I really want you to look at it from not just the perspective of a presenter, but also from the perspective of the audience member. And as you're going through your presentation, say to yourself, would I enjoy this if I was sitting in the audience? If not, you need to add a question in there. You need to add 
an activity in there. You need to add something where the audience is doing more than just sitting and listening, but they're also writing something down. They're standing up, they're moving, they're talking, they're doing something. And, I, you know, I think that's hard for a lot of people sometimes because you get they get so engulfed in their own message. Like, boy, everybody should want to hear my story, you know? And it's like a lot of times your audience is, is there because it's mandatory. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, they're going to be there, but I, you know, as a speaker, and I've actually done a little bit of coaching uh, for speakers, you know, helping them to build a speaker business. Yeah, for speakers, you definitely want to be thinking about what it would feel like as an audience member. And that is definitely a part of my approach, because like I was saying in the beginning, as a teacher, you're having all these people come in all the time and you're sitting in trainings, you're sitting in presentations and, you know, it, Teachers are just checking the, the the clock, like, okay, we got to be here for 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever. And so, you know, I know for me, the presentations I felt better about were the ones that, well, I didn't realize the time went by so fast. Like they maybe had us moving around or they they made it more dynamic. It wasn't just somebody on a stage speaking for 60 minutes straight, you know? So, I mean, that's definitely approach an approach I take as a speaker, and I would encourage anyone to. Agree. Absolutely agree. Okay. What's your question for me, Nils? What's your, oh, man, see, I got I, I have a, I don't know if it's a tough question. Um, I, didn't say, I didn't say it had to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, well, I, I, I know you were saying that, you know, that sometimes people throw real tough ones. I don't know. It, it's a, a thought-provoking question, though. Um, how, how, how do you feel, um, I guess, race and gender impacts ability to be hired as a speaker? Oh, that's a great, great, great question. Wow. That is one I have not thought about very much. And I'll tell you, about a conversation I had with a lady one time where I'm trying to remember exactly how she put it, uh, but she did ask me something along the lines of, did it bother me to not get booked for speaking engagements because maybe somebody of a different race got booked or something like that? I can't remember exactly how she put it, but I told her, I can't worry about that. Mm -hmm. I, this is just me. When I pitch myself or my team pitches me for a speaking opportunity, if I don't get the gig, my immediate reaction is not to go to, oh, it must've been because I was black. Oh, it must've been because I'm short or I'm a female. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, Mm -hmm. I and this is just me. So I know I'm not really answering the question, but I'm going to make my way around to it at some point. For me, I start looking at, okay, well, do do my offerings line up with what they're looking for? Uh, I typically speak on communication skills and presentation skills, things in that area, leadership and, and owning the room. Is that not what they were looking for? It was it price. Is that it, it was it outside of their budget or whatever? That's what I start. I start assessing what I'm offering mm-hmm. and what I put up. 
and try to determine if maybe there was some misalignment with what they're looking for. My goal is to inspire people to be the biggest, baddest, brightest in the room. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe that's not what they want. That's, that's, that's kind of jacked <laughs> up if that's not what they want, <laughs> but okay, no matter who the audience is. So gender and race, well, the speaking industry is primarily comprised of white males, point mm-hmm. blank. Uh, I think people who don't look like that just have not found their voices and just have not found enough confidence to say they can play in the same arena. So uh, that's a tough question for me to answer, Mills, because I just tend to not view the industry from that perspective especially because I know how it works you win mm-hmm. some you lose some and you 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 lose far more than you <laughs> you win as That's a speaker true. I cannot tell you how many how many or how much prospecting my team does yeah and that that's something I've had to tell speakers when I've coached them like you know, a lot of times there, you know, you get this, this, you sense from them that they want to be able to send an email and like have somebody reply in the next 10 minutes. And I said, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work like that at all. You know, you got to do, you know, you got to have thousands literally of prospects, depending on your niche, of course, you know, that, that can vary, but you're going to have, need to have way, way, way more than what you think you really need <laughs> so yes absolutely well I, I'm going to turn the table around and ask you to respond to that question what role do you think gender and race if they play a role at all in getting um, I mean I think I mean I think in, in reality because I do speak on diversity and inclusion you know it kind of ties into some of the leadership personal development and even special needs stuff I speak on and so I feel like in reality, it, it can play a role um, in it because of just, you know, just um, just historically, you know, in this country, in the world, you know, people tend to gravitate toward people that are like them a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, and that's just in psychology, you know, you look at any psychology book. And so I think that that does have an impact, especially when we start talking about money and things like that. And it's not to say that it can't be overcome, you know, because it can, but I think sometimes, yeah, you know, um, depending on who's the decision maker, sometimes, yeah, they may feel a certain kind of way about, you know, when, when they're looking at speakers, you know, they, they may feel a certain kind of way, like, okay, I feel like maybe, you know, this white male should get, you know, $10,000, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, this, the woman over here, or, you know, the the black man, or the Latino man, or Latino woman, or black woman, you know, so uh, I I think that's just a reality. I mean, um, but like I said, there are people, but here's the bottom line, there are people 
that look like me, look like you, you know, people of color that do, you know, do well at this, that are, are powerhouses. And that's the thing, you know, that even when I have my talks with college students, you know, I'm like, you know, yeah, you know, no doubt as, you know, a person of color, there, there, there's going to probably be more challenges along the way, but you got examples of people everywhere, more than one, you know, everywhere that look like you, then came from the same places as you and can achieve, you know, achieve big things. Yeah, I, I mean, I, does it happen? I'm quite sure that I am passed up because of whatever, be it race, mm-hmm. be it gender. I cannot dwell on that. I cannot exactly. sit and, you know, one, uh, because that will beat me down and it'll- Throw in the towel. Yes, you'll mm-hmm. get stymied and you'll say, forget this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I cannot do that. I absolutely cannot do that. And I like what you said in terms of, psychologically, we like to spend time with those who are similar to us, period. I think there's even a book entitled Why All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria, the School Cafeteria, or something like that. There's a book about this psychology of being around people or associating with people who are similar to you and use that to your advantage. Why do I have my team having, uh, why do I have my team scouting women's leadership conferences? Because, well, I'm, I'm a woman and I talk a little bit about leadership, right? So look for those opportunities where it makes sense for you to be seen, but then also look for those opportunities where, you know what, your message needs to be there regardless of what you look like, where you come from, put yourself out there. You absolutely never know what fortune it could lead to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mills, what else do our listeners need to know in order to make sure that they're getting out there and they're owning the microphone? Again, I would, I, I just, uh, I just want to totally emphasize that, um, again, you just have to have a lot of prospects and, you know, especially in the beginning, just get on stages, you know, a speaker speaks, okay? You can't be a speaker if you're not out there speaking. And, you know, you now, now, you know, since the pandemic, you know, we have virtual opportunities, so you don't even have to leave your house. <laughs> and so, you know, get out there, you know, find your niche, you know, find something that unique uh, that you bring to the table. And I mean, you do bring something unique to the table because you're, you are you. And uh, get on those stages, get some opportunities. To, to get video of yourself, to get testimonials, uh, have a decent looking website. I think that's very important. You know, a lot of times I see people get so caught up in the whole, I got business cards and things of that nature. And, you know, nowadays, you know, if it, you, know you gotta present yourself as a business. And so every reputable business has a website, all right? And so you definitely wanna have that, you know, because yeah, anyone that's going to pay you, they're going to want to go to their, your website and maybe see video of you and, you know, see, you know, just understand your philosophy a little bit more. And uh, so those are some things that I would really encourage, you know, for someone that's new to speaking, that's looking to get on stages, that's looking to share their story, you know, get as many gigs as you can, uh, even if you, you know, there there's some that you're doing uh, for free. Okay, you know, you want to 
especially in the beginning, again, just take some opportunities because, you know, just because you're not getting paid a, a check, you know, there's, there's other ways, uh, there's other benefits involved. And like I said, if you can get pictures of you speaking, if you could get testimonials, those things will go far to helping you get the paid gigs. So. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned a website, spot on, all you need on that website, videos, testimonials, speaking topics, how to contact you just to get started, right? Videos Mm -hmm. or pictures of you speaking, testimonials, how to contact you and your topics. Speaking of websites, make sure you visit Mills's website, successisaprocess.net and Fill in the information to get access to his books. So visit successisaprocess.net and get access to his books. The other thing he said, uh, even if you're speaking for free, I want you to act like it is a paid engagement. Even if you are speaking for free, I want you to act like it is a paid engagement. That means don't go in there winging it. Go in there and give them 100% as if they are writing you a five plus figure check. And like Mills said, there are other ways to quote unquote get paid. Maybe they cannot write you a check, but maybe they can provide a videographer, a professional videographer to get that video of your session. Maybe there's a professional photographer that can take some action photos of you on that stage. Maybe you can get testimonials from people either in writing or that videographer can grab one minute testimonials, give the videographer a couple of questions to ask people. What did you like most about this session? What was the best part of the session? And and they can answer those questions in these little one minute blurbs. There's so many other ways that you can get paid for speaking engagement that doesn't involve a check, but it can benefit your speaking business. Those testimonials are golden. Those Mm -hmm. photos, those videos. So ask your contact. Will they supply either a, video, either a videographer or a photographer? Or if they say no, ask if you can bring in your own. And you can go to websites like thumbtack.com or fiverr.com or upwork.com and find independent contractors who do that kind of work. So I'm going to shut up. But when you start talking about speaking as a business, there's there there's so much I can talk about there, but go in there and wow the crowd, whether it's paid or not, and make sure you get that website up so that it shows that you're serious about this business and people know how to find you and they know what you speak on. Mills Rogers, it has been a delight to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Fantastic, fantastic all of the wonderful pieces of information that you gave us today and not just information, but also inspiration and transformation. Thank you for joining us. Listeners, as always, I appreciate you. Until next time, make sure you own the microphone. <laughs>